0: It's time once again for Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen, a.k.a. Bry the Comic Book Guy. We've had some exciting adventures with the X-Men so far. This is the last of the three-part storylines that I'm going to be talking about about the X-Men for a little bit. We'll come back to the X-Men eventually, I promise. This week it's called Fatal Attractions. A lot of big things came out of this six-parter, so it's going to be pretty detailed just for these six issues. You'll see these pictures up on my Instagram, at BriTheComicBookGuy, so hit that follow button there. Also feel free to email me as well, BryTheComicbookGuy at gmail.com. The issues we're going to be covering today are X-Factor 92, X-Force 25, Uncanny X-Men 304, X-Men 25, Wolverine 75, and Excalibur 71. Now I'm going to give a little backstory to make sure everybody's up to speed on what happened between the last storyline and this one. Back in the first three issues of the title X-Men, Magneto had returned from a little bit of a quiet time to make trouble for the X-Men. He gained these followers called the Acolytes and their leader was called Fabian Cortez. Cortez would use his powers to help heal Magneto or regenerate his powers because Magneto was having some power issues. ...but it turns out he was slowly killing him every time he used his powers on him... ...but the rest of the Acolytes didn't know about it... ...as the reader you did get to see it. Now Magneto's base, Asteroid M, was in orbit... ...and the X-Men went up there, they had a big battle... ...so after the battle with the X-Men and Cortez's treachery... ...it was blown apart. Now Magneto remained behind with some of the Acolytes... ...to magnetically guide a big chunk of it back to Earth... ...but when the wreckage was found a couple issues later... ...he was not among the remains... A few months leading up to the sightings of Magneto were had, Uh, hints of his return were shown here and there, so this was the lead up to the return of Magneto after him being gone for a while. The team X-Force had been making do with Cannonball as their leader, because if you remember in the Executioner song at the end, Cable had disappeared into that time vortex. The X-Men Nightcrawler was the new leader of the British team of X-Men called Excalibur, working out of Muir Island. With Moira McTaggart, you remember she was their human liaison, and she was also a geneticist and doctor, helped Beast out in the Executioner song. X-Factor had a new reluctant member, a mutant bodyguard named Random. Now, he was like a bounty hunter, things like that. They were still having trust issues with him. It's going to show up in X-Factor 92 as well. The X-Men had suffered a big loss. Colossus, his sister Ileana, was one of the first victims of Strife's legacy virus. So the issue of Uncanny X-Men, they'll be dealing with her her death as well. So X-Factor 92 kicks it off. Magneto's acolytes attacked a human hospital. They say they're performing a genetic cleansing in Magneto's name. A nurse that was attacked is telling X-Factor and their human liaison, you remember Valerie Cooper from some of the other storylines, What happened during the attack? She was injured, badly injured, and she dies shortly into the storyline after she tells what happens. Now, this angers X-Factor a whole lot. They've been trying to make mutant and human relations stronger, pretty much what the team was meant to do from the beginning. But before she dies, the nurse asks what kind of man this Magneto could be to inspire such insanity. Now, Quicksilver, who we've seen in several features in the movies, in the X-Men and Avengers Age of Ultron... In the comics, he is Magneto's son, so Scarlet Witch is Magneto's daughter. Uh, He tells her that he's been asking himself that very question too many times over too many years. She does pass away, and X-Factor leaves the hospital. We see the Acolyte scanner watching in a phase state. She can walk through walls, everything like that. Not quite like Shadowcat, but they can't see her. She returns to her body in the Acolyte base, which is in a submarine underneath the body of water. She tells Cortez that Quicksilver was there and X Factor showed compassion for the humans that they killed. Now Cortez gets very angry and he says, Before the day is over, the son of Magneto will be his slash theirs by nightfall. Now Valerie Cooper and X Factor go interrogate one of the captured acolytes war. His mutant power is he can like Put project uh, people to have these feelings or whatever thing just by like breathing on them and everything. He can project these spores on people to make them lose control and everything like that. But they have them like well underhand. They tell him he's being charged for multiple murders and he says human laws don't pertain to him. But he calls them flat scan laws. Now it's jargon in the X Men world to use the term flat scan. They use that to talk about humans since humans won't scan for the X gene, so it would be a flat scan. Now, Havoc gets tired of his running his mouth, so he blasts him f- with his powers. Now, during that fight, Spore sees Quicksilver walk into the room, and he bows in front of him, screaming, The sun! Now, X Factor is pretty stunned by this. They're like, What is going on here? Spore continues with, I bow before you and surrender and submission the only begotten son of our Lord. Now, the acolytes worship Magneto, so he's one of the acolytes, so. Of course, Quicksilver, being his son, is going to also be seen like that. He gives Quicksilver a location where to find the other acolytes at, but only part of the team goes. That uh, mutant bounty hunter, Random, goes with Quicksilver and Valerie Cooper. The rest of the team is told to stay behind, which they're pretty ticked off about that. But they end up do using a glider, and Polaris uses her magnetic powers to guide them through the air. Now, while they're on their way, they're still behind Quicksilver. They don't know that they're coming. They run into this unknown flying man. He stops and stares at them and then disappears. We get to see him in the next part, so don't worry about that. When Quicksilver's unit arrives at the location, they run into Senator Robert Kelly. Now, if you know anything about the X-Men storylines, Robert Kelly has been in the uh, X-Men storylines for a very long time. He's a senator that's anti-mutant and everything. And in this point in time, he's kind of on the fence of what he's doing, but he's still got to project that he's in the government. He's trying to you know, deter mutants from doing what they're doing, bad ones mostly, but he's still kind of unsure about the X-Men. He tells Valerie Cooper that she doesn't have clearance for where they are, but uh, we get to see why in a little bit. Uh, they end up being shown by Valerie a secret project called Project Wide Awake, and it's Sentinels have been the robot mutant hunters since the early 60s in the original x-men comics we've seen them in x-men days of futures past too Uh, all of x-factor ends up coming into the room and they are like hey we're here and they tell valerie that they want to know what else she's been hiding from them quicksilver goes off on her but does say that he understands who he is and what his inheritance is and why humans should be worried and try to protect themselves so he understands why the sentinels are there Suddenly, the acolytes bust in and a fight is on. Now, Senator Kelly is observing uh, from above and orders security to remove the Sentinel prototypes while the fight is going on. Now, one of the acolytes tries to attack the senator, but Rain, who's Wolfsbane, who you've seen in the other two storylines that we've talked about, she busts in and saves him from the attack. She tells him a mutant saved his life. They're not all bad and prove her wrong. Elsewhere, Cortez tries to sway Quicksilver to their side by saying it's his heritage, his rightful place to take over where his father left off, but he doesn't fall for it and just tries to knock Cortez out. The acolyte scanner sees this and phases the whole team of acolytes away. Now we see Valerie, after the fight and the smoke is cleared, get very sick and spews some green mist out of her. It turns out she was taken by the Acolytes a while back, and her memory was a waste. And we find, find out why she was programmed to bring X-Factor there, and they were controlling her mind. They say, fine, but what's Project Wide Awake for? And she cries and says, in case X-Factor fails in their mission. The team walks away, leaving Valerie to figure out what she's supposed to do now. X-Force 25, right away we know we're in for a treat. Cable's on the covers. you're like, oh, Cable's back. He hasn't been seen since he went through that portal with Strife and Executioner Song. The first page, we see many of the X-team members on a big screen. We see a shadowy figure talking to someone saying, Shall the children be first? Yes, since my own children seem unobtainable, let's invite his. If the children of the Atom are willing to accept the truth that the dream is dead and the dreamer is a fool. Now, the dream professor xavier has is that mutant and humans can live and coexist together magneto has kind of been like the anti-dream person for a while he's always said that he's a fool and he's a dreamer and everything so you're like this has got to be magneto so we see x-force returning to their base in the mountains high above in the shadows we see a very familiar shadow watching them it's a big bulky figure with a gun so we kind of know who he is and he's been there waiting for him they came back from a mission to retrieve Rusty and Skids, their teammates that Strife had brainwashed in the, uh, ne- the Executioner song. Uh, Farrell uses her senses and said, somebody's in their base, but they can't narrow- she can't narrow down who or where exactly they are. So they split up into two people teams, and they head inside to figure out where the intruder is. Now the intruder, who's still in the shadows, we don't see who it is yet, starts taking down the two-person teams one by one. He's taking them all out because he doesn't want to actually engage them. So Cannonball finds him after he's knocked out a couple other teammates, and he knocks him into a weapons locker, and he's finally brought into the light. It's Cable. Now, everybody on the team wakes up, and they're happy to see their boss back, except for the characters Richter and Sunspot. Now, they had been told, and they believed, that Cable had killed their fathers. But Cable seems to have some answers. He says Richter's dad was killed by Strife, because we know now that they're twins with his helmet off. And another bad guy killed Sunspots. So that kind of washed away their anger towards him as well. Now, Cannonball's still kind of pissy. He's still unsure if this is really uh, Cable or not. uh, Because he was forced to take over leadership, and they thought Cable was dead. Now he's back, and he's still kind of bitter that he had to grow up and take over that role. They end up eventually being cool and asked to talk in private. Now, the rest of the team thinks it's kind of weird that some of them are asked to be talked to in private, and the rest are not. Now, Sunspot... Boom Boom, Siren, who is Banshee's daughter—she has the same powers as him—and Cannonball are a part of who Cable wants to talk to. Richter, Warpath, Feral, and Shatterstar, who you've seen in Deadpool 2, are outside waiting. Cable thinks he can help cure Rusty and Skids while they're in their stasis tubes. He tells them if he can get up to his base, Gray Malkin, which is where his AI, the professor, is, maybe he can help them. And uh, he, he still he lays it out on the line for Sam because Sam is still being kind of a jerk about it. He tells him who he is, He says Strife and Apocalypse were his enemies in the future. And Strife was sent back to make their rule happen earlier. And he was sent back to stop it. Uh, he searched out the new mutants to train them to fight and take down Apocalypse. He escaped that time funnel, but doesn't know if Strife did. Now, just as he's continuing on with the storyline, an alarm sounds, and there's an intruder outside with the rest of the team, we see that figure that X-Factor saw in the last issue. He calls himself Exodus. He's looking for the first chosen children, Cannonball and Sunspot. Now, these two were the original New Mutants back in the mid-'80s, and for a long time, uh, Xavier was in space. He was uh, uh, had some health issues. They took him into space. And Magneto had reformed for a little while, so we thought that he was a good guy. So he ended up taking over and training and being the leader of the New Mutants. Sam asks why him. Cannonball's name is Sam. Exodus tells him that the harbinger of the magnetic storm extends his second hand to Xavier's second generation, which means the New Mutants. Sam agrees if only if Boom Boom plus Rusty and Skids can go, since they were all in the New Mutants. Now, Sam puts a tracker on cable so they can follow him. And they're teleported away. Now Cable and the rest of the gang get in the shuttle and they go up to space. Now while that's all going on, Sam and the rest of the the team are aboard what Exodus calls Avalon. And they find out that it's the former home of Cable. So whoever this is, we know who it is, but has taken over Cable's complex, his space thing. And Sam tries to call out for the AI professor, but they say he was deleted. Magneto walks in, but he's covered in a robe, so you still can't see his face. He undoes the mind manipulation on Rusty and Skids, and they're turned back to normal. They, they wake up, and they're like, hey, it's you guys, what's going on? Cable ends up doing a decloaking thing and gets the whole base decloaked, and he slams his fist down because he said, Grey Malkin was taken from me. So now he's really ticked off. So they get onto the base, and they take on Exodus. And they keep him on the ropes, but they all teleport where Sam and Magneto are, all of X forces together, and Cable just wants to get them out of the crosshairs. So he teleports them all to their shuttle and makes it take off. Now Cable goes into the computer core and ends up finding his AI and uploads it to his mechanical side because we know that uh, from the last incarn- the last storyline, Cable's half metal, which is going to come in handy for Magneto in a few minutes. Uh, Magneto appears in his full body armor and Cable's like Ah, it is you. Uh, Cable gets a little bit of an upper hand. But Magneto realizes that his body's half magnetic, so he shreds it, and he just blows him apart. Now, barely alive, he commands his AI professor to teleport him to his shuttle. The X-Force X- picks him up, and they take him home. And Magneto broods over who's uh, going after the X-Men full force this time, which comes to light in Uncanny X-Men 304. This one's pretty jam-packed. There's a lot that goes on here. Exodus, in the beginning, shows up at the Acolyte's base in, in the submarine, And he tells them all how Cortez betrayed Magneto. Now, he's like, he's lying. This guy just comes in here. I've been working with you for how long, and you're going to attack me like this. They all attack him, and they end up leaving Exodus. Now, Cortez tries to attack Exodus one last time, but he pretty much obliterates him and leaves him for dead. Now, back at the mansion, Professor Xavier is brooding over the death of Ileana, with his love interest, Lalandra, who was the alien in the Shi'ar Empire, who he went off with. Uh, She's a hologram in this because she obviously couldn't be there. And he's talking about Colossus's sister dying of the legacy virus. He's thinking he failed her and the others, but she assures him that they are not going to see it that way. They are his team. They love him. He's their father figure. Don't worry about it. So her hologram fades, and he goes into this room, and he starts up a computer. Now, the only thing we see of it up until this point and in the rest of this issue is something called the Magneto Protocols. And the professor has this, like, really serious look on his face. We'll learn more about that next issue. High above, Magneto is sitting ready to attack the X-Men. He's remembering a time, as a reader, we get to see his memories. The first time we get to actually see, he had a kid before Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. And her name was Anya. Now, we also get to see, now this is a huge thing for the first time in 30-plus years. Magneto's real name is Eric Lenscher. Now, we've heard that name in the movies, but in the comics, this was the first time we had heard that Magneto had a real name. We'd always called him Magnus. Uh, He was attacked by these humans while she was a little girl, and she died in his arms. And that's what triggered his powers. And we see a first glimpse of how he gained his powers, and he attacked and killed the humans. So we get to see where his rage comes from. Now back at the mansion, we see the X-Men starting to get ready for Ileana's funeral. Now all of the X-characters end up coming for this. Before that, we see Colossus. He's outside and he's burning uh, all of his paintings because Colossus throughout the years has been an artist. So he has a whole room full of art that he's done, but he's burning everything. Now Shadow Cat, Kitty Pride. she's on Excalibur, but she came for the funeral. She sees what's going on and tries to talk to him. and he's just emotionless. He's totally just, I don't have anything left. If you think this painting has meaning, you take it. So she runs off crying and he's just standing there like just like a wall, like a brick wall. Now the funeral takes place. Uh, speeches are given. Uh, the professor goes over to Colossus, and he's trying to say how sorry he is, but Colossus just pushes his hand away. He's like, I blame you for her death, and you have failed me. And he goes on and on and on about how you have definitely failed me. And you kind of feel heartbroken because Colossus has been around and part of the X-Men team just flawlessly since like the the mid-'70s. So Magneto chooses that time to return. He explodes onto the scene with the Acolytes, who he hid from all the security and all the X-Men senses and everything like that. Now Wolverine is about to attack him, but Magneto forces him to retract his claws, and Cyclops is like, you're, you're going to be the last one that goes after him right now. The professor, for the first time, calls him Eric. So it's like, okay, so Xavier knew what his name was the whole time. That's interesting. He even attacks the professor by taking apart his wheelchair, so the professor is left, like, on the ground. He finds and goes over to the Acolyte, Sinyaka, who led the attack at the hospital back in X-Factor 92. Magneto punishes that Acolyte by killing him with his own powers, saying, if you're going to do something in my name, you have to do it with my blessing. Order must be maintained. So he tells the X-Men, yeah, they did that attack, but I was not responsible for it. He brings down his base in orbit. So you get to see that big like space station lowered down like into orbit above the mansion the professor sees this and he notices that it's technology that he has outside of it that he stole from the x-men he was when he was supposed to be his ally so it's like okay he was pretending to be their ally but he was taking technology and using it for himself he sends the acolytes back to the base and he tells any anyone of the x-men or any children of the x are welcome to come too now, unknown to Magneto, the X-Man Bishop, he's an energy absorber, and he hits him back with his own powers, freeing everybody who had been, like, just motionless. Magneto had been controlling them and making sure everybody was standing still. The X-Men start to realize that they can just load their powers on the Bishop, and they hit him hard. The X-Men attack Magneto, uh, but since Magneto was holding the base into position with his powers, it starts to fall apart because he's distracted. So some of the X-Men are dealing with the fallout of the space station falling, but the attack presses on. But out of nowhere, Colossus takes out Bishop, and he says, there's nothing left for him at the mansion. May I join you? So Magneto welcomes Colossus, and he goes up to the to the ship, and the professor has just had enough. He pulls himself up to Magneto, so he's face-to-face, and he takes over Magneto's powers quickly, and he launches Magneto and all of the space station and all the acolytes into space. And we see the professor dropping down because he was in the air when this happened, Archangel goes up and catches them, and he brings them back down to Earth. Now, X-Men 25, there's some pretty real stuff in this one. We see the whole planet activating an orbital defense of satellites. The whole planet is covered in an electromagnetic field. Uh, it's the entire planet, and it's the world and Professor X's first two levels of what is called the Magneto Protocols. It's a defense mechanism designed to prevent him from coming down to Earth and using his powers. But Magneto sees what he did, and he ends up turning it around on everyone. He got right up to the shield generator, and he turned it around, making the uh, one giant planet-wide EMP burst that takes out everything. The mansion is spared because they had that alien Shi'ar technology that countered the EM pulse. Now, X-Men are all gathered, and Cyclops tells them what happened and what they have to do. They're gonna send a strike force up to his base to just finally deal with Magneto once and for all. Wolverine and Gambit are chosen, Quicksilver and Rogue. And an interesting turn of events, all of the X Men are disapproving of this the Professor and Jean Grey. Now, the Professor turns out he's wearing this, this giant armor that he can walk again. But he takes Jean Grey too because he needs to help. He, she needs her powers to help since he's half focused on walking. So it takes a little bit of his powers. He doesn't want to take any of the more high power wielding X Men because they're in space. And second of all, they kind of realize that all the original X-Men except for Gene are left back at the mansion because they think that they're not gonna come back and they need the rest of the original guys to carry on. It's kind of somber. So the X-Men teleport to the to the base, and before an alarm goes off, we see Colossus shutting down the defense grid. He's aiding his former allies. So they're like, oh, is is this gonna fruit you know, is this gonna turn into anything? So the strike team runs into Rusty and Skids but before they can alarm anybody, he telepathically puts them to sleep. Quicksilver loads a disk into the computer's mainframe, hiding them from the sensors, but it also takes control over the entire space station without anybody knowing it. He finds all of the Acolytes and sees that they're not registering on the space station, so they have inside help. That's Colossus. He finds all the Acolytes and teleports them into escape pods, ejecting them to the space. It just leaves the X-Men, Colossus, and Magneto. Magneto charges at them, at Gambit and Quicksilver. It keeps them, they keep them off balance, though, for a little bit. Now, Professor is trying to get into his mind to kind of shut him down. He's asking Gene for some help. It's not working because he's pretty ticked off and he's pretty strong-willed right now. So they press on. Quicksilver attacks again, and Magneto says, "'My son must die, even though it pains me to do this.'" But before he can do that, Wolverine slashes at him, and he goes, "'Logan, Logan, Logan, must we dance this dance forever?' No more. And he ends up blasting Wolverine. Now over the next page, it's several panels, we see through all of Wolverine's kind of battle wounds and everything because he's pretty banged up, we see the metal oozing out of Wolverine as a liquid. So Magneto is pulling the adamantium out of Wolverine. He liquefies it and yanks it out. So Wolverine after that is just kind of laying on the floor just in some serious trouble. Now, the result of this, Professor Xavier has reached his limit of holding back. He pulls himself next to Magneto, and he just sends this huge blast right into Magneto's head. He ends up shutting off Magneto's mind, literally. Now, Xavier is knocked out, and Jean is holding Logan together already with her powers, so she can't help the professor. Colossus comes in and picks up Magneto. He tells the X-Men he called the mansion, and a blackbird is on its way up to pick them up. He tells them that he's going to remain behind to care for Magneto and maybe atone for some of his past deeds and help Magneto recover. The issue ends with Colossus holding Magneto in a wrecked area, kind of just staring off. Now Wolverine 75, the first half of this issue is the X-Men's long trip back to the mansion. Now the Blackbird is just like an aerial uh, ship. It's not designed to go into space, but they made some modifications to go up there. So the trip back, they're really in some rough shape. it's It's falling apart at the seams. The Professor has recovered a little bit, and he's trying to help the badly wounded Wolverine, who's in a medical unit, and he's trying to sedate him and everything. And he's also trying to uh, telepathically help his mind cope with his injuries. It's a struggle, and the ship is falling apart. They end up hitting a thunderstorm. Now, just as the Professor gets Logan calmed down and back in the medical unit, the Blackbird is hit with a lightning bolt, and Wolverine's medical unit breaks free, and he wakes up. So he's in a lot of pain, and everybody's kind of distracted. The professor tries to sedate him, but he says, nope, I'm going to heal. My healing factor is kicking in. But we see something that's never happened before. Wolverine's healing factor cannot keep up with the damage because of the trauma of the adamantium being sucked out. So his injuries are healing, but they're reforming just as quickly. Uh, We see him in a fever dream because he loses consciousness. He ends up seeing Ileana in a dream, and she tells him it's not quite his time. And now just as Gene is about to be sucked out into uh the atmosphere because the lightning bolt blasted uh one of the doors off the blackbird she's holding it together but she's looking back and seeing wolverine loses concentration and ends up falling out and we see logan rescuing her and of course he's like no you brought me back so back at the mansion a few weeks have passed logan wants to go back into the danger room he's like i'm still part of this team i want uh, i need to hold my weight on this team Moira McTaggart is his doctor, and she's like, no, you're not going back in there. And everybody's like, no, you're not going back in there. But ultimately, Cyclops is like, it's his choice. Let him do it. So he does a solo round with two robots. He looks a bit shaken up at first, but he's like, that doesn't stop me. I'm still the best at what I do. Now, as he does that, you look at the sound effect of what his claws sound like when they pop out. Now, the next page is pretty gruesome. It's a full page of Wolverine laying there and his His claws came out, but they're bone. So you're like, what? Wolverine has bone claws. So we see him. uh, They're trying to retract his claws, get him in there, and everybody's screaming to try and get him out. And then we kind of fade to like a week later. He's under a tree with Jubilee resting. She was told to keep him just busy. Don't let him get all stressed out and everything. And you see his, uh, his hands are all taped up. He tells her he's fine. He pops out his claws again, and he's like, now I have a whole set of other questions, like, I don't remember having these bones. I always thought the adamantium was the claws, but now they're bone, which means I was born with them. Now, they do eventually get to this way further into the future, and I'll get to that storyline eventually and tell you all about the origin of Wolverine. Later on that night, you see him writing all of these letters and leaving them in a pile, and then we see Jubilee looking out a window, reading a letter. Now, the rest of the issue is Jubilee reading that letter out loud, and he's saying how he's sorry he has to do this, but he doesn't think he's fully up the specs, and he's got to go off and figure stuff out, but stay with the X-Men. They'll help you figure it out. The issue ends with him riding off into the night on his motorcycle in true Wolverine fashion. Now, Excalibur 71, it's kind of like a epilogue of the whole thing, but there's still a little bit going on. Most of the team Excalibur is either left... Or lost. Uh, The only members left are Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, and Phoenix, which is Rachel Summers from a future. She's Cyclops and Jean Grey's daughter from a future, and she's one of those time-traveling characters that came back. Now, Professor Jean and Cyclops come to Muir Island with a purpose. They want to try and lure Colossus to the island because they think he's suffering from a bad concussion, and he's not thinking straight, so they need to heal him from that, and then he'll come back to the fold. So they have an acolyte prisoner that they want to try and barter with to try and get him to come back as well. They end up convincing Shadowcat to call him, saying that she wants to join him. Now, uh, Colossus and Shadowcat for years in the comics had a relationship, so they figured if anybody was going to be able to get him to come down, it would be her. Now, Cyclops and Nightcrawler are seen working on this device that are going to help heal him when they get him back. We also see Jean Grey and Rachel talking. Now, Rachel, like I said, is from the future, and Cyclops and Jean Grey were her parents, so she's uncomfortable around him and has been uncomfortable around him for a very long time because she's never quite sure if they're going to get together and she's ever going to be born. Now, Jean tells her that it's possible since they're about to get married, so there is an eventuality where she could technically be born. Uh, it's The X-Men timelines are really confusing. I understand that. Now, Colossus gets that message from Kitty and tells Exodus he believes she wants to join him. He tells Colossus this is the last time he's going to have any contact with his former life. He teleports down to the island and not knowing the others are all around him ready to spring a trap. Now, Shadowcat's talking to him and, and keeping him distracted, but she phases him to where the trap is. Now, Colossus is pretty furious, but they end up knocking him out and ready for their plan. They use a device using Cyclops' power as a scalpel to repair the damage. They do end up repairing him. He reverts to his human form, and he's crying in, in Shadowcat's arms. Now, Exodus had sent some Acolytes as backup just in case what ended up happening happened. Uh, a little brief battle happens, but Colossus breaks it all up, and he says even though he's healed, he hasn't changed his mind, and he's leaving the with the Acolytes. Now, Cyclops, Jean, and Professor are heartbroken about it, but before they leave, they ask, what will the rest of the team do now that Colossus is gone and the rest of Excalibur's gone, but they say they're going to form a new Excalibur team. So they go on and continue their adventures. So we got a lot in this one. Magneto returns, gets shut down. Colossus is grief-stricken over his sister, but then he ends up going over to the back And the most important thing is Wolverine lost his Adamantium. Eventually we'll cover some of those things when they resolve or progress. But I'm not going to spoil it for you, because I'm not a spoiler. So let me know what you think about Fatal Attractions. A lot went on. I can go into more detail if you'd like. Just email me, brythecomicbookguy at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram at brythecomicbookguy. I will see you next week. Thanks for listening.